0: Hello and welcome to Braincast. This is our first episode featuring Dominique Varga. She is a PhD student here at Sussex specialising in the neuroscience of memory. In this episode we talk about event processing and event segmentation. We look at the techniques used to study memory as well as delving into the life of a PhD student. If you're thinking about doing a PhD, I highly recommend you listen to this episode as Dominika provides lots of useful advice on making an application, reaching out to potential supervisors and writing a research proposal. Today, we have um, Dominika Varga. She's a second year PhD student in um, Chris Bird's lab. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. and how
1: you got into neuroscience? Yes, hi, I'm Dominika. I'm uh, working in Professor Chris Bird's lab where we research episodic memory. It's the memory of events in your life and how I got into neuroscience. So I was always interested in uh, how people behave, uh, how they make uh, decisions. And uh, I was curious about the mind So I decided to um, do psychology at university and uh, there I learned more about uh, the relationship between the brain and behaviour, so I got increasingly interested in uh, the fact that who we are is the product of our brain. Uh, So yeah, that's how I come to the field of neuroscience.
0: I think it's so interesting how
1: people get into a certain area of neuroscience
0: because there's so many different areas to kind of um, delve into. So what drew you
1: specifically uh, to the field of memory? Memory is incredibly complex and it's something that really makes who you are. So um, your memory of your experiences from your life really shapes the person that you are and the the thoughts that you have and the decisions that you make so it's a very much an integral part of the person that you become and it's not just important for the past but it is also important for us to imagine the future Mm -hmm. so without memory who we really are Mm -hmm. and how can we function in the world so the importance of memory in our life is what made me really interested in how it actually works
0: yeah in a, um, a recent article published by your supervisor, uh, Chris Bird, he talks of event segmentation. Can you just tell us a little bit about event segmentation theory and how that sort of relates to the work you're doing at the moment?
1: Yes. So, uh, event segmentation is the idea that um, in everyday life you experience the world as just a continuous uh, flow of sensory information. So, everything just uh, happens continuously, but somehow you can perceive structure in the world uh, such that you perceive a distinct events and you experience your life as going through sequences of events. Like, for example, this morning you might have had uh, breakfast, yeah. uh, then you took. stuck a, in traffic for yeah. quite a long time. <laughs> yes, uh, that is quite a long event, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, and then uh, you came here to set up this interview and now we are in the event of uh, the interview. So as you can see that these are all different contexts and your brain is uh, able to make sense of uh, some stable characteristics of a situation such as uh, the location that we are in, the people that are part of uh, the event. Uh, our goal that we have for a certain event. So, for example, our goal right now is to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, your brain tracks uh, these stable characteristics of a situation. But when um, one of these uh, features, even just one of these features, uh, substantially changes, so when we stop having the conversation at the end, then something tells your brain that, oh, there is a new event that's about to happen, so I have to update my model about uh, the current situation, and now I can store this interview event uh, as a memory, and I can make room for a new event to come. So that's how basically your brain is trying to uh, segment your continuous experience into this memory unit.
0: each event is like split up, is there like a particular... um, Can you like trigger an event segmentation in a way or not or is it completely random where your events are split up if if that makes sense
1: no that's a very good question so (laughs) is how it relates uh, this event segmentation theory to our work is that we are trying to find out what are actually these aspects that make your brain uh, segment uh, reality into distinct units yeah so it is um still uh, somewhat unclear exactly what these mechanisms are. But one um, one quite important um, mechanism is uh, the fact that we can uh, continuously predict uh, what is likely to happen in a situation using our prior knowledge. And when something unexpected happens, like uh, for example, if uh, somebody entered the room right now and, uh, said to us oh sorry i booked this room mm-hmm. then this might trigger you to enter this new event of oh no what are we going to do now and do we have to pack up very quickly and also even just uh, it's not just these surprising occur- occurrences that uh, might uh, trigger event segmentation but the fact that Uh, when an event is about to end it is more difficult to predict what will happen at the start of a new event so it's the idea of this prediction error that might uh, structure uh, experiences in your brain but Mm. there's also other aspects uh, like when something uh, important happens that you have to pay attention to Uh, is likely to make a change in the the model that you have of uh, the situation um, in your brain so it's a bit unclear but yeah we are trying to figure out exactly what these mechanisms yeah. are.
0: When I think back to um, past events in my own life it does seem very like split up I guess that's the event segmentation process taking place however because of the pandemic the last two or three years I struggle to kind of like segment it up in a way like it all seems like a bit of a blur is that like quite common um the, the world sort of crises um and i guess with all the stress and everything that comes of that what what's the effect of like a, a crisis i guess on on our memory and how does that sort of work
1: yes that's a very good question um so of course there are so many different uh, experiences attached to this uh, pandemic and uh people have lived it through in many different ways for example what comes to my mind from my experience and that is related to event segmentation is that I was mostly just home doing the same thing every single Mm -hmm. day Um, so I didn't have many experiences to remember so uh, there's uh, a lot of very cool research on your perception of um, uh, Time and how many experiences you have in a given period. So it is uh, from Lab uh, in Colombia, Laila Davachi, and also um, uh, our colleagues at uh, Sussex, uh, Warwick Roseboom is, uh, Roseboom is yeah. uh, doing a research on this as well. The fact that um, when you don't have many experiences uh, at the moment, so you are just sitting at home. Uh, (laughs) waiting for this to end (laughs) uh, then your perception of time is actually quite elongated so you feel like that everything is going on Mm, forever but when you think back to it it might seem like that because nothing happened that it didn't it wasn't that much time actually Mm -hmm. that you spent uh, at home whereas if you have an eventful uh, life with so many experiences to remember in the moment you might feel that time flies by but when you remember back to it, you will elongate that experience because you have so many more event units yeah. to remember. So that could be one way to um, to relate the pandemic to yeah. event segmentation. And yeah, definitely stress really affects yeah. uh, your memory. So it is more difficult to learn and to make new memories when you are under a lot of stress. And yeah uh definitely the pandemic has made people uh, being in a more uh, stressful uh, state and yeah just having very similar experiences all the time it's hard for you to remember the the details of the day-to-day if everything is the same so it all just seems like you just had one one big event (laughs) which is like eating back breakfast doing some work mm. in your home Same office, going back easy. to sleep. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Yes. Um, also, the field of memory sounds quite complex, and it sounds as if there's a lot that's still kind of unknown, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So as a PhD student studying memory, what do you do each day? Like, if you can just walk us through... Um,
1: yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I think from the outside, it could seem quite boring what i am doing because most of the days i'm sitting in front of my computer uh typing away (laughs) but from the inside it is actually incredibly interesting because you get to do so many uh, problem solving Mm. and you get to um, think about new ideas and having um, very stimulating conversations with uh, your colleagues yeah so it is mainly the this is what i am doing day to day solving problems on the computer writing my little scripts <laughs> and um, thinking just, about my research yeah. yeah
0: i was just thinking um it was quite a creative field to work in as well in many ways um,
1: yes uh, and it is all very collaborative as well so it's very nice that uh, you of course get to read uh, papers and learn about other people's research and think about how you can innovate the field beyond what they have done and you are not alone thinking about this because you also have your uh, wonderful colleagues that can uh, contribute to your ideas yeah. so much so exactly it's, it is a very creative field which I, I like yeah. the most I suppose <laughs> about this yeah. Do you
0: think you're gonna stay within the field of memory now for the rest of your career or? are other fields that
1: you kind of want to delve into and for now I'm so immersed in memory that <laughs> I don't I don't really know if I have time to think about other yeah. um, fields but yeah that's a good question I'm not uh, sure whether I would forever stay in memory as also memory relates to so many mm. different uh, aspects of our life so it's it could be uh, something related to memory that I, I do later, but not necessarily yeah. event memory per se. Yeah.
0: My next question is, um, what have been the hardest and most rewarding moments of your PhD?
1: I think it's hard to uh, choose one, one thing. The hardest part was definitely in the beginning as I started my PhD uh, during the lockdowns so it was difficult to be away from uh, the people that i work with of course we still had regular meetings but it's it's more difficult to to do your job when you're just alone in your room mm-hmm. but um there's there's uh, you know there's failures along the way and i make many mistakes as i am a student but i think that is very important to have uh, have these mistakes because you can learn a lot from them and actually that is even having a mistake is somewhat rewarding because you realize that oh actually now Mm -hmm. i can do this thing much better and so it is important to celebrate these small victories when Mm -hmm. you can when you can correct your error Yeah. yeah
0: I can imagine a lot of students wanting to do a PhD making mistakes would be quite daunting in a way because you're you know you're doing everything completely alone um, and it's actually having the courage to own up to your supervisor who's obviously like a leading researcher in their field and saying like, oh i really messed this part up, so it must be quite, yeah, I guess scary at, at times. Um, but yeah, like you said, if you can overcome it. Um, then it is very rewarding. My next question is what are your career aspirations
1: and how do you think a PhD will help you achieve them? Um, For now I am really enjoying um, doing research in academia so I think I would continue uh, academic research after my PhD so go on to do a postdoc somewhere. The skills that we learn during a PhD, I think they are quite transferable. So, of course, we are working on something very specific, but you have so many skills to develop that are actually useful in the real world as well. So if somebody doesn't want to go on to do um, academic research, there's other things that we learn, like how to do public speaking, how to manage very complex projects, mm-hmm. how to do um, coding, so I think it is good to do a PhD, even if you are not sure what <laughs> to yeah. do afterwards, because you can learn a lot of useful skills yeah. um, that can be helpful in the real world as well, not just in this strange yeah. academic <laughs> world.
0: <laughs> do you think you would go into industry, possibly, or stay stay in research?
1: Yeah, I think... Um, it is possible at some point I might go into industry, so I'm open to that idea, but I haven't really considered exactly which uh, which field to go into.
0: Yeah,
1: makes sense. Um, so I know that a lot of our listeners
0: um, will be wanting to pursue a PhD and, and be in your position now. Um, so what advice would you give them on how to approach a potential supervisor? Um, and do you have any tips
1: on submitting a good PhD proposal? So. I had actually quite um, a clear idea what I wanted to do Uh, so I looked up uh, labs that were doing uh, research related to my interest and I read uh, my supervisor's work and I uh, just sent him sort of an informal email just asking if they are looking for um, They have open positions and uh, what I need to do in order to apply. So I think it's a good idea to first just read around and make sure that you understand what uh, your potential supervisor is um, working on at the moment and then show interest in their work and ask whether they have open positions in their lab.